Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now, here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to the show. I'm Richard Bliss, the host, and I'm joined today by a very good friend of mine who's been on the show before, who is a fountain of information, a wealth and treasure trove of crowdfunding knowledge, my good friend, Charles Lussard. Charles, thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you for having me again. It's always great to have you here. We are here specifically to talk about, you know what? I want to talk about the dark side of crowdfunding. That's what I want to call it, the dark side of crowdfunding. And this isn't another Transformer movie that's coming out. This is um, a real concern around the general area of crowdfunding and fraud, appearance of fraud, um, dishonesty in crowdfunding. You know, it's been talked about, but but there's been some incidents happening that's kind of elevated the awareness of it. Let's talk about that. Is that, is that okay? Absolutely. And, uh, and, you know, full credit to, uh, James Robinson with Pando daily, who has really led the charge. I, you know, we're going to be speaking about, uh, he'll be specifically, which is on Indiegogo and, uh, you know, James Robinson did a lot of digging. Um, I, I think he spent, you know, the better part of, of three or four days, at least initially, uh, doing due diligence on, on this company. He'll be, who had a product on Indiegogo called Gobi, and uh, he, he surfaced some really interesting things, and it kind of led to a larger discussion, which we'll be having today. Yeah, and so let's let's give our listeners an opportunity of, of tracking um, James down. You can find him at pandodaily.com. No, excuse me, pando.com, right? Pa- and it's called Pando Daily, and it's James Robinson. And he's written, yes, you said extensively, kind of about this dark side. He calls it a scampaign, as in uh, scamming rather than a campaign. And so you're the one that brought this to my attention a few weeks ago. Um, fill us in about what he's found and kind of what's going on here. And, and caveat, we're not saying that this is fraud, but we are saying that it has red flags that indicate there's the poten- potential fraud, right? Yeah, I mean, so so what he found, he 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 found some some inconsistencies. Uh, for example, you know, the the easiest one to explain is that the campaign was listed as uh, being in San Francisco, and uh, and there seemed to be no real feet on the ground in San Francisco for this product. It was actually developed in Russia, and it had uh, it had some some PR. In the uh, in the Northwest Connecticut or one of one of those states up there, I can't remember which. But uh, but long story short, you know things like that. It was it was disingenuous. And when you think about a a you know a crowdfunding campaign for a hardware product, of course it looks nice if it's developed in the Valley. Everybody, you know, there there there's an implicit trust there uh, with with campaigns that originate from the Valley. So that threw up a red flag. But really, the big core of the debate was around what they were promising to do and what this, you know, this, this was essentially a, a fitness tracker. Um, one of, you know, one of many entrants into that market and they were promising some functionality that it would actually be able to tell you how many calories you were burning by reading the glucose levels in your cells through your skin, which is in just an amazing, if, if that, if, if it's true, it's an, it's an incredible accomplishment and it would be completely unique in the marketplace. The problem is that a lot of the people, uh, you know, and, and these are, you know, these are doctors and, you know, accredited individuals. I mean, these, these people know what they're talking about. Uh, you know, Mr. Robinson spoke with 
uh, with people that he trusted, and nobody was would really come to bat and say, "Hey, this this is even possible." Uh, there was a lot of uh, you, you know a lot of kind of hand wringing about about whether or not the the product could do what it promised to do. Um, so that's kind of where it all started. That, that's that's the crux of the of the conversation. Now you write for Crowdfund Insider, and on Crowdfund Insider, you um, you said that. This has raised then two, you said two big questions for Indiegogo and PayPal because it's on Indiegogo that this project's stored. And so, um, kind of what was the gist of your reporting on what, um, James was uncovering? So, so obviously I come from it, I come from a different point of view because I, you know, we cover crowdfunding exclusively and I'm looking at it and, and I'm noticing that a lot of people are asking for refunds. Uh, via Indiegogo's comments, and that for me raises a red flag because this 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 campaign still still going on. It's still taking place. Why are people having to ask for a refund on Kickstarter if a campaign's still taking place? And you find out information after the fact, you know, after your initial pledge, um, you can you can retract that pledge. Okay, That's- let's let's stop right there because I think a lot of people are going to be confused by what you just said, even though they understand what you just said, and that is. Do you you mean, and I know the answer, but I'll just restate it here, yeah. that on Indiegogo, when you make a pledge, that the money is received immediately. It's not like Kickstarter where they keep it in escrow and then if you fail, it all it, – it never – this is – the money is paid out on an ongoing basis? For a certain cocktail of circumstances. Uh, if, if you make a pledge via ACH through Indiegogo – your money is held until the campaign ends. What does that mean, ACH? Uh, if you use your credit card, like if you pay through their website. Okay, so if I go through the web, Indiegogo website and use my credit card, I'm not charged. You're not charged until the campaign ends. However, if you use PayPal, those funds are released immediately. And so, so that, for me, is a... That completely renders moot a, a, a core protection for crowdfunding backers, which is if you find out information during a campaign that colors your opinion of your original pledge, you should be able to change that pledge. And that goes either way. If you find out something good and want to throw more money in, you can do that too, right? Until the campaign is over, it's not over and everybody should be able to change what they've done. Um, on Kickstarter, there have been numerous campaigns where something came out that, you know, maybe people pull money back. I know that that happened during the Susan Wilson campaign for better or for worse, but at least people had that option. Just so people understand, uh, remember, um, the Susan Wilson was a woman said that her child, her daughter was trying to raise money to go to a science camp. Um, and, uh, she was trying to raise money to do that. And, the crowd felt that she was being disingenuous and that this was kind of that she was pulling a fast one. Right. And, and, and it's not for me to say whether or not they're right. Um, it, the, the point is that, you know, everybody is entitled to make their decisions based on the information that they have available. So for this Indiegogo campaign, it threw a big red flag up for me that people are having to ask for refunds. Now, now apparently, uh, they were very forthright in, in offering those refunds, so there was no. Well, how, how much refunds did they have to issue? <laughs> Nobody knows. That's part of the problem too. Is that you know the the, the campaign says that they raised over a million dollars, but 
they didn't. They they raised over a million dollars minus all of the money that people had to have refunded. So in. so unlike Kickstarter, where if somebody pulls their money out, the amount of money pledged actually drops. Yeah, there's no record of that. This just keeps going. No matter how many people pledge and withdraw, pledge and withdraw, the same person could give, take, give, take, give, take, give, take, and just run that thing up. Sure. Well, maybe not. Uh, I think there's so, but it's just an ongoing. It never comes down, right? No matter how many. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's a very bizarre approach, and that was kind of the 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 core of my article was, and and I still believe this, and I, I sincerely hope that Indiegogo is seriously considering changing this policy because I think I think it is a bad policy. It is against the ethos of crowdfunding. Uh, you need to give people the option to pull their money before a campaign ends. Because what what if this was fraud? What if what if it was a clear case of fraud? Then they would have had funds released. Like what if the Kobe beef campaign, which I'll you know to summarize that somebody launched a campaign on Kickstarter and ended up raising one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and it was it was outed to be a complete fraud by the team that's creating the the Kickstarter documentary. Um, and it was, it was literally the, the, the campaign was canceled within hours of when it would have ended and, and $150,000 would have went out. But because Kickstarter holds everything in escrow, everybody was protected. Everybody got their money back and the system worked. And in this case, the, you know, there, there's a serious risk here that the system may not work one day. Okay. So are, are, do we run the risk then of, of, all crowdfunding being lumped together now with some high profile, if it's possible, if, if we continue to get some high profile accounts that look like fraud or um, fail to deliver significant amounts, because Kickstarter has had campaigns that have failed to deliver it. So we're not limiting this just to Indiegogo. Is this, is this raising the possibility that crowdfunding, giving crowdfunding a black eye in general? So all crowdfunding sites are going to suffer because of this. Well, I, I, I'm a believer that, you know, that the industry is still trying to figure this out. Nobody, nobody has a silver bullet for how to run crowdfunding in any specific model. So I, I stop short of saying that it, it has, it, it, that the entire industry incurs risk for these bad instances. Um, having said that, if you, if you look around the space, there, you know, especially on the equity side, there are people on the equity side that are trying to distance themselves from the word crowdfunding. Uh, if, if you notice, there was a recent interstate crowdfunding bill that aims to make crowdfunding for equity legal in the state of Florida. Uh, crowdfunding doesn't appear in the bill. It was actually, I think, called crowdfinance. That is a very interesting. You know, that wasn't done on accident. You know what I mean? So. So uh, there are people that are trying to distance the two sides. I personally think that, uh, that, that that in and of itself can be confusing. And, it, it, you know, one or two bad apples doesn't ruin the whole bushel, in, in my opinion. And this is all very subjective. I'm willing to admit that. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll take that ad- admission. But um, one or two apples doesn't spoil the whole barrel. But we're not talking about – this is a the issue that you're bringing up this trust factor right mm-hmm. i mean that's really what you're talking about here do can i trust that the money i'm giving is actually going to be used for the project that um they say that they say that it's actually going to deliver as things stand uh if if you are pledging to a flexible funding campaign on indiegogo and keep in mind that this is specific to flexible funding fixed funding on indiegogo funds are still held in escrow um for flexible funding campaigns, you really, until they change this policy, you really have to be sure 
that your pledge is going to a company that's going to use it in the way that you intend it to be used. And, and let's just do a quick explanation. Most people probably understand it already, but what flexible funding is is that flexible funding says, here's my goal, $5,000, $10,000. I get money even if I don't reach it. Now, depending on – I don't get it if – I get the money even – so at the end of the campaign, I raise seven of the 10000 I get all seven. Minus a much higher, uh, more than double percentage that Indiegogo would take out. I think it's nine percent uh, if you don't meet your goal, and five percent if you. Do. Okay, so uh, around half. Yeah. Um, but the point here here is that I don't even have to raise all my money, and I still get the money. Sure. And that, that makes a lot of sense for certain campaigns. One of my other criticisms of flexible funding in the past has been, uh, for example, if, if, if you are trying to build a hardware product, well, if, if you're trying to build a hardware, hardware product and you set that threshold at, let's say, $5,000, let's say that you don't meet that. You raise $4,000. Is $4,000 enough to do anything that you've just promised the crowd? I, you know, for some campaigns, it isn't. Um, so, so I, it, it kind of confuses me that, that Indiegogo isn't more stringent on, you know, okay, you're going to, you're going to choose flexible funding, but do, does this really need to be a fixed funding campaign? Do you need this amount of money to deliver on rewards? Listening to their marketing pitch, I don't see it. It's going to be really tough for them to back away from this because this is one of the things that they use to strongly differentiate themselves from Kickstarter. They are a hands-off company, and I appreciate that approach. I, I understand, and I think that the two balance each other out too. For a lot of people get rejected from Kickstarter. Kickstarter is very curational. If Indiegogo was the same way, then these people would be, you know, th there would be no crowdfunding for them, or they'd have to go to a lesser platform that maybe they wouldn't get the funding that they need in the first place. So I appreciate Indiegogo's approach. I think the, the, the problem is twofold. Number one, there's, there's, there's issues with the models that, you know, we've already talked about. Number two, Indiegogo seems to be expressing at least, you know, uh, quietly some, some interest in, in entering the equity side of things. If you're going to do equity crowdfunding, you cannot have trust issues on your platform. That's not going to work. So I, I would argue that for, you know, Kickstarters have expressed no interest in equity. If Indiegogo wants to move in that direction, they are going to have to, uh, to, to address this at some point. So let's talk uh, in the last couple of minutes here about how to prevent yourself from being snagged by a fraudulent or semi-unethical uh, project. What, what, are, what, are some, what do you think are some uh, red flags to, to be aware of and watch out for, and how can you do your, your due diligence? You know, the, the, I, I think if, if I could give people one piece of advice, it would be when you pledge to a campaign, and, and this goes for crowdfunders too, uh, if, if nobody's ever used Google Alerts, I use Google Alerts like crazy. And what, what, they, what you can do is go into the service and have uh, anytime Google's crawlers finds a piece of information about a search term that you give a Google Alert um, or set as a Google Alert, you'll get an email about that. And you can set that you can get them in real time. You can get like a, a daily digest, et cetera. If you pledge to a campaign like, like the, the, you know, the Heal Be Go Be, Throw heel be go be into a Google alert and have information coming into your inbox about it so that when an article runs on Pando Daily 
um, that, that kind of raises some questions about the campaign, then you know about it. You didn't even have to do the work. Just let Google do the work for you. Oh, that's an awesome suggestion. Um, because then you get to benefit from the wisdom of the crowd that's out there. Because I always argue that the crowd oftentimes will balance, particularly on Kickstarter, will ferret out and find those most of the time. And yeah. that's a perfect way because it's going to start popping up. Conversations going to, and suddenly if there's a flood of this information, it, it lets you at least know if your um, contribution is in jeopardy. Based yeah, and, I, and, okay. and also it'll pick up Reddit. You know, it, it picks up some of the areas where a lot of that due diligence takes place. I think Reddit is one of the great, uh, you know, great ways to vet a campaign because, you know, no offense to my Reddit users out there, Reddit users tend to be very cynical. And when you're doing due diligence on a campaign, that's not a bad thing. You know, you want to do the digging. You want to look at things in kind of a worst case scenario fashion, like, okay, where are the, you know, where are the risks in this campaign? Are they going to be able to deliver? So, you know, hopping on Reddit and throwing a thread in there and saying, hey, what do you guys think about this? Uh, you'll often get, you, you have to be careful about reading into it too far because you'll get people that, that draw conclusions that might not be totally accurate, but at least you'll have the ideas in front of you so that you can make your own decision. Okay. So, and if somebody's not really comfortable with Reddit, they should just go kind of take a look or use Google alerts to keep, cause it'll pick up the Reddit comments and threads, right? Yeah. Google alerts will pick up Reddit. So, so, you know, inevitably if you're not talking about it in this campaign, this big, somebody is, um, so it doesn't mean that you necessarily have to be actively involved there. You can set up a Google alert, uh, hop on Facebook, uh, consider consider what the campaign is promising, and if you know somebody in that field, you know if somebody promises a flying car, um, which you know, is being tried to be, which is right, they tried to fund that over in Europe. Yeah, I mean it's it's been done it's been done a few times now. You know, go go and you know if you know somebody that that uh, you know if you know a boilermaker or a good, you know a good uh, good engineering student somewhere, get get their input on it. It doesn't hurt to ask and. And sometimes you might be surprised in, in, you know, in what type of information you can surface by, by talking to people in your immediate network. Charles, I always appreciate when you take the time um, from your busy schedule. I know uh, you're putting out some great content. If folks want to track your information, they can find you at crowdfundinsider.com, right? Yep. And you uh, put out some great content. How often? How often do we see something coming out on Crowdfund Insider? Uh, it- Every, every day we're producing content. So, uh, you know, definitely check us out every day. Keep abreast of what's going on. Okay, Charles, thank you very much for being on the show and sharing with us. Thank you. You've been listening to Funding the Dream. Uh, not on Kickstarter this time. Actually, this is somebody stealing the dream. But uh, my guest has been Charles Lussar with uh, Crowdfund Insider. And we've been talking about the dark side of crowdfunding and, and fraud and the need for building trust, whether it's on the platform or with your backers. Hopefully, you've heard something to inspire you to, if you're pledging, to be wary, but if you're creating, to be aware. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Take care. <laughs>